desired and designed the best for, for each and every one of us. Always desired and designed the best for, for each and every one of us. And it breaks his heart when we choose to go our own way because as any parent, I was talking to somebody earlier this week about how we as parents desire to help our children learn by our mistakes. And our Heavenly Father's never made a mistake. But what he wants to do is keep us from making mistakes, making choices that are going to be more costly than we ever dreamed. You know, it happens in all of our lives. We, we think we're going to have this really great thing and we're doing it the way we think is going to work out the best. And the reality is the only one that knows the best for us is God. And we've got to come to that place where we really do say, God, we trust you. We know you love us, Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord. We're not doing our own thing anymore. We're here to allow your will to be done in our lives because when God's will is done in the life of a human being, life abounds. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us abundant life. And yet we can fall prey to the same deception that Adam and Eve did, thinking that there's something that God's holding out or holding back from us. And going a, a way that is contrary to God, thinking we're going to get something better, but that deception causes us to experience loss. And that's not God's desire. He wants and He will work it all for good if we'll just let Him. Amen? Well, today we are, I believe we are, I have said this before at various times and been mistaken, but I believe that we're going to kind of wrap up this, this teaching that's been going on since before the beginning of the year based on Micah chapter 6, verse H, where we've been looking at this and seeing what the prophet was receiving from God, but it's something that I believe God was saying to me, to us, uh, in how to live our lives. You know, we have so many years here, and, and this, this part of life is preparation for eternity. And so it ought to, ought to be, always be transformational. We ought to always be changing, growing, and going from grace to grace. And and it's because we learn about what God wants, what he says is best. And, and this scripture says, the Lord has told you what is good. He has told you what he wants from you. And the reason why God ever asks anything from us is because he wants us to release to him so that we can receive from him what's even better. Because God wants your life blessed. You can't be a blessing to more people unless you receive a blessing from God. And the blessing is not just coming to us. That was a, an erroneous perspective. It's based on selfishness. Oh, I, I, can, I can have anything I want. No, we want what God has for us so that we can be what God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do, to be able to impact and impart to the people around us that he loves, those that are part of his, his family already and those that are coming to his family. Because it's that goodness. You know, he's told us what's good, but it's the goodness of God that leads people in repentance, turning back to him. Because all of us have gone our own way. The Bible says we as sheep, we as sheep have gone our own way. We've gone astray. And going astray is costly. And God's saying, come on home. Come on home. You know, he is a heavenly father that's not up there with a stick. He's up there with open arms saying, come home. I have the best for you. And it's, it's up to us. Because God will never force the best he has for us on any of us. He's waiting for us to be humble enough to recognize we need something beyond ourselves. We need what he is and what he has. 
and in that it opens up the floodgates of all that God has. So uh, he's told you what he wants, what is good, what he wants from you, to do what is right to others, to love being kind to others, and to live humbly obeying your God. The last part is what we're going to kind of culminate on today. We've been learning about humility and how humility is so vital to our lives and how it is so counterintuitive to us as human beings apart from God. God is a God of humility. He is a humble God. And we as people tend to be, without even recognizing it, tend to be um, influenced by pride in so many different ways. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is the beginning of our entrance into the kingdom of God. Without, without grace, we can't be saved. But by the grace of God, we're able to be saved through faith, by grace through faith, and it's not of ourselves, it's a gift. And we'll look at this today, but this gift only comes because we're willing to receive it. Any gift that you get, there has to be a moment of humility where you are willing to reach out and be humble enough to receive something. Some of us have a real difficult time receiving anything from anybody, and that's just pride. But we have to live our life realizing that we can't live the life that God has for us or experience the abundant life God has for us without us receiving everything from him. And then as we've received, we freely receive, the Bible says we freely what? Give, because God has another blessing in store. It's more blessed to give than receive. But this is counterintuitive to our, our culture, to our world, to our thinking, but it's the kingdom way. And today we're going we're gonna to look at what really is uh, powering the kingdom and, and what is necessary for us to experience this life. We, we know that the Holy Spirit is, is the spirit of grace, and it is this grace that comes because of humility. God gives grace to the humble. And uh, so this morning we're going to look at this and we're going to see five facets of grace. I was a geology major. One of my senior projects that I had to do to be able to graduate was a gemology project. And I had to go through, it was a, it was a cheap way for them to get somebody to catalog all the gems that were in the college. And so I did, I did this, this senior project and I sat down and I was looking at all these gems and, and all the facets and how they were cut and what it did to make the light pass through it. And, and, uh, they were all parts of the same stone, but they caused the stone to be able to bring light in a certain way. And, and so we have many facets to the grace of God. It's, it's the grace of God, but there are different aspects and applications that enhance our life, enrich our life, and impart to our life something that uh, nothing else can. And this morning we're going to look at this, and before we do, we're going to pray. So if you just bow your heads. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence here with us in this building, with those that are at home or wherever they are listening. Father, you're there and you care and you desire and have designed the best life for us. Help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand that in the right time you'll lift us up. Father, we know that your ways are higher than ours. But Father, we desire that your ways would become our ways. That Father, we would be led into the fullness of what you prepared and planned and provided. That Father, we would be the blessing 
that we would be blessed the way you intended us to be blessed and be the blessing that you intended us to be in the world. So, Father, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for your word going forth and bringing healing, bringing freedom, bringing insight and, and revelation that would cause us to be transformed going from glory to glory because you are at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. And we thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So this humility is what grace, it's kind of the bridge that grace is able to travel over. God resists the proud. If we don't have humility in our life, there's nothing that God is going to push on us. But when we're willing to receive, when we're humble enough to recognize we need what God has and who he is, that humility opens up an avenue for the grace of God. Now, I've shared with you the, the definition of the grace of God being the empowering presence of God to be who you, he, he created you to be and to do what he has for you to do. Another, there are so many different uh, definitions, but another definition is God's power and ability. His power and ability for whatever it is that is, is necessary in your life. And uh, this power and ability, this, this grace is varied. And we see this in 1 Peter 4.10. Uh, it says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, a steward, does anybody have a definition for a steward? Is a steward an owner? No, no. A steward is a manager, right? Somebody who is given something very valuable, very precious, very important to the one who owns it. They don't own it, but they do the best with it for the one that gave it to them. And so that's what a steward is. And so we're stewards of, it says, the manifold grace of God. Now, I asked this in the first service and people were hesitant to get involved. So I, who am not mechanical had to explain a mechanical thing. So we don't want that happening here. So I need some help. And, and this says a manifold grace of God, the manifold grace of God. Does anybody know what a manifold is? Uh, you guys are doing the same thing. Yes, thank you, Mark. What did you say? Yeah, it's part of the car. Now, I was... I was as I always am, you know, me and cars, we, we, we travel together. Um, but I, I know where the gas goes, and I used to know where the key goes, but there's no key anymore, so I'm down to one thing I can do with a car. And uh, so this was a stretch for me, but a manifold, as I understood it, was something that comes off the engine where the, I'm looking for some bobbing heads. Some of you need to be bobble heads either this way or this way. Uh, the manifold is where the exhaust comes out of the engine where the pistons are because in your car, did you know that your car has power because of an explosion? You're driving an exploding vehicle, but it's under control. And, and so out of the pistons, the, pistons ex the, the gas explodes and the pistons pushes it down, turns the little shaft, the wheels on the bus go round and round, Right? And, and that's, and, but the gas has to escape. So the exhaust comes out the manifold and there's one manifold, there's one exhaust port for every piston. But I didn't know because somebody in the back was nice enough to say, yeah, there's, there's two manifolds. And I thought, yeah, one on each side of a V8. And they were telling me 
There's an intake manifold and an exit manifold. There's something to help you take it in, something to help you give it out. And that's like our life in Christ. Until we take in, there's nothing we can give out that's going to be of eternal value. And that, that, again, is one of the keys for us to realizing that we need God. And we humbly accept and acknowledge that God is greater than us. His ways are higher than our ways. His deeds are superior to ours. And so, but we're stewards of this manifold variety of the grace of God. Uh, John 1.16 in the Amplified uh, puts it this way. Uh, for out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received and all have shared and all have had a share and we are supplied with one grace after another, one grace after another. Now we're going to see, and most of us know about uh, one grace that we seem to be more focused on because it's the entrance, the grace that we're saved by, but it's not the only grace. There's grace that's needed in all of our lives. And remember, the grace that we were saved by, did we have to buy it? Did we have to earn it? Did we have to work for it? What was it? A gift. As all this grace is a gift, every aspect, every facet of this grace is a gift, but with every gift... What is necessary to receive the benefit of that gift? Accepting it. We recognize we need to reach out for it and receive it humbly. And so this, this tells us we have all received, all had a share, and we're supplied with one grace after another. Well, if that's the case, why isn't everybody saved? Who did Jesus die on the cross for? Absolutely. Is everybody going to go to heaven? No. It takes a decision. It takes an intentional acknowledging, I can't get to heaven on my own. Not on my own works, on my own merit, because I've been so good. I've not been as bad as them. Right? But that's not how we get to heaven. We get to heaven because we receive the gift of grace that came through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that, that grace in the New Testament, grace came through Jesus. And so this grace is something that we need. It's, it's the initiator of our relationship with God, our walk with God through this life and eternity, and it's what we need every day in so many different ways to be able to continue to experience what God intended for us because we can't get this on our own, not by our own, own effort, by our own might or anything. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3, this isn't going to be up on your screens, but it calls grace the grace of life. Without grace, there is no life. There's existence. There, there are what people think, well, you know, I'm having a pretty good life. Not like you would if the grace of God were just flowing through your life because it's beyond anything we can do, but it's something that God can do. And so these five facets are what we're going to look at today and uh, I'm going to leave you with. There are more, but these are the five that really hit home with me. And, and the first one is saving grace. Now, most of us here, we've heard about saving, being saved by grace. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. 
<coughs> excuse me, verse 8 and 9, and Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone will boast. So we're saved by grace. This, this life begins. We get reconnected, reunited with God through this grace in our lives that is a gift. This gift is amazing. And, and in Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Again, this is one of those moments in time where we say, gee, you know, if the grace of God has appeared to all men, why aren't all men saved? Because God will never force anything, no matter how good, how perfect, how much we need it, never force it on us. Because God respects us and loves us too much to control us. And he doesn't want our relationship built because he made us do it. Because that's not love. The Bible tells us whatever we hold on to, we're going to lose. But whatever we release, we'll gain. And God is a God of faith. And he is, he is offering this to everyone, but not forcing anyone. And so everyone has had salvation appear to them, but not everyone is humble enough to recognize, I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need redemption. And when we come to that place of humility, the grace of God begins to flow. And this is the initial flow of grace in our life. We're saved by grace. How many of you know when you come into the kingdom, you're a new creation in Christ? That's what the Bible tells us, right? But how many of you also know that sometimes we look at our lives and nothing's changed? Oh, can we be honest? You know, we come and we pray and we receive Christ as our Lord and we go out and we act as nasty and unsaved as we did when we walked in. Come on. And it takes a while to work through those things, and we can't get free of all that stuff. Although we are a new creation in Christ, it's the grace of God that empowers us and enables us to break free just like the law of lift and thrust help us break free from gravity. Sin is in this world. Selfishness. Pride. And the only thing that keeps us above that and passing through it is the grace of God. Without that grace, we're going to get mired and entangled and entrapped in the same selfishness and pride that unsaved people are. And we're going to look no different and we're going to get no different. But this is where these graces, these, these facets, these aspects, these these impartations of grace in various areas of our life are so necessary. So we're saved by grace, but we're humble enough to re recognize we need that grace and we receive that grace. The second facet of grace is sanctifying grace. And you may say, well, you know, I've heard that word, but what does it mean? Well, the word sanctification means to make holy, pure, or blameless. And it's a process. You know, we're saved, we're a new creation, but the Bible says walk out your salvation daily. We're to be walking this out. 
you've heard that the Bible tells us we go from glory to glory and faith to faith. This is all process-oriented. There's a moment in time you can point back to and say, that's when I was saved, if, if you can. But then there is a process that goes on that we continue to be transformed, not conformed to the world, transformed, but what are we being transformed into? What does the Bible tell us that we're supposed to be becoming more and more alike every day? Right, Jesus. And so the moment I asked Christ to be Lord of my life, I didn't act like Jesus. And neither did you. And neither did anyone else. But it's a constant gaining of ground because we're giving over to God. We're humbly saying, God, I can't do this without you, but I can do it with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a humble statement saying, you know what, this is possible, but it's not possible for me to do it alone. But in a partnership with God, Him guiding, governing, and guarding, we can do this. And the grace of God begins to flow. And the grace of God is more than enough in whatever we face. Just like with Peter. I begged him three times, remove the thorn of the flesh. And God said, my grace is sufficient. Another translation, my grace is all you need. That's all we need. Whatever we're facing, we need the grace of God because it's because we're in partnership and we're humbly not leading, we're following God. And in us following God, God's provision, God's power, God's plan, and God's purposes are being fulfilled by the grace of God. And so the sanctifying grace is God's power and ability to cleanse us and make and, and mature us and keep us from contamination in a sin-filled world and grow in the character of Christ. Because people need to be seeing a change in us. You know, it shouldn't be that we say, well, I'm a Christian, and people are like, what? Are you serious? And... and they, they should see the character of Christ in us. If we're Christians, Christ followers, then we should be taking on the characteristics of Christ. But it's not a self-help thing. It's a God help. God is there to help us every step of the way. God knows that with us nothing is possible, but with him what's possible? All things. It's so good to know that God didn't just say, all right, you have a ticket to heaven, but good luck here on earth. But, you know, some Christians live that way. They're like, I'm going to heaven, but, man, man, I'm, I'm trying to work it out here. Yeah, but who are you working with? Well, me, myself, and I. And God's right there, and he cares, and he wants to be involved. We're told in 2 Peter that we're to grow in this grace. Growth is a process. There's a lot involved in it. Titus chapter 2, verse 12 in the New King James and the ERV tells us, it says that this grace, this grace teaches us. Now, if teaching were just a one-time deal, we'd have first grade and that'd be it, right? But we have various levels of teaching and the truth is our education should never stop. We should always be learning. 
And, and God has for us to always be learning. We'll never plumb the depths of God's wisdom, of God's character. We'll always be learning about God throughout eternity. But this says the grace teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In the ERV, it says it teaches us not to live against God and not to do things the bad things the world wants us to do. It teaches us to live on earth now in a wise and right way, a way that shows true devotion to God. This is the grace that enables us, empowers us, imparts to us so that we can do this. We, sometimes people say, well, you know, the grace of God, I can do anything. No, that's not true. That is not true. This says specifically that the grace of God teaches us to say no to the things that the world says yes to. Because we can't sin and not have consequences. The result of sin is death. God doesn't want death in your life. That's why Jesus died. That that power of sin would be broken in our lives. But then we have to depend on Jesus. We have to depend on God. We've got to humble ourselves and receive the empowerment and enablement and grace of God to be able to be what he has for us to be and do what he has for us to do in a fallen world where the enemy is trying to trip us up at every step. But this is how, when you, we've got situations that we seem to be habitually falling into, man, it's not about trying harder. It's about re- humbly saying, God, I need your help and receiving the grace that we can deny. We can say no to ungodliness, no to worldly lusts. No to whatever it is that is causing us to turn away from God because all those things are designed by the enemy to cost us dearly. That there would be, there would be damage done to our lives. And then it says that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly or we should live on earth in a wise and right way that shows our devotion to God. We can't do this without the grace of God. This this grace that is sanctifying, it's a process of us becoming pure because the Bible tells us to be holy as who? As God is holy. That's a little intimidating. You know, if it says be holy as Pastor Gabe, it's still intimidating, but I might have a shot. But it's God. I got no chance. You got no chance except God helps us. And that's what the grace of God does. It's able to elevate us when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. In due season, he lifts us up. How does he lift us up? His grace. His grace elevates us. to something that we've never been and something we've never done, but God has always seen us as because that's what he created us for, to be that way and to do things that nobody Nobody ever dreamed you'd do. They'd look at you and say, no, that's the last person. And God says, no, that's my person. And I've got a grace for them to be something far beyond anybody, anything anybody ever believed they could be or ever believed they could do. That's what the grace of God does. In 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 14, Scripture says, 
This again is about the sanctifying grace of God. I thank Christ Jesus who has enabled me. You know, Paul is acknowledging to Timothy that there was an enabling ability that God gave him to be able to see change in his life. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. This is who Paul was. When, when Paul was living his life and he was zealous trying to do what religious people did, all they thought was the right way to do it, but it was absolutely wrong. And Paul was one of the leaders of the pack, Saul. And then God got a hold of him and he turned to God and trusted in, in Christ. But before he was, <laughs> he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He persecuted the churches, the, the people of, of, of Christ. Sent him to jail, killed him. And it says he was an insolent man or a violent man, and he was. But then it says, but I obtained mercy. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Mercy and grace. Remember we talked about going to the throne of grace where we, we obtain mercy and find grace. We receive mercy and find grace. Mercy, we know, is not getting what we deserve. Right? And if we think we haven't gotten everything we deserve and we deserve more, and, and we're mistaken because there's a lot that we deserve that we really don't want because none of us are perfect. And this is the provision for us, you know, making the choices we do and, and not continuing to follow those choices, but making them and saying, hey, you know what, God, I need your grace to be able to turn out of this, to make the adjustment, to align with you again. But mercy and grace have been called the Bible's dynamic duo because we need them both. We need to have the mercy of God first because we don't want what we deserve. And then we need the grace of God, which is God giving us what we can't get on our own and what we don't deserve. It's a gift. And this is what the grace of God does, and this is what we need the grace of God for, because if we're going to continue to progress in our walk with God, it's not by might or by power, it's by His Spirit, the Bible says, and the Bible calls one of the titles of Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Grace. He's there to bring grace. But just like we know, until we're humble enough to realize we need what God has, that grace is not going to come to us because that's pride. And God resists the proud. He's not against us. He just can't bless pride. But God wants to overflow the humble with his grace, his grace that sails, saves us, that sanctifies us. The grace of God was exceedingly abundant towards Paul. And Paul said, I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm not what I was, and I'm not yet what I will be, but I am what I am, and God's bringing me into what he has for me to be. Because God's not finished. 
God has better than we can imagine or dream, but it's by God doing it and us participating and recognizing our neediness in humility and inviting God to be involved. The next, next grace is strengthening grace or empowering grace. It's uh, overcoming or victorious grace. And this is what Paul was, was uh, looking at when, when he addressed the thorn in the flesh and what it, what it meant to be weak but have God's power there. God's empower, power and ability to overcome, to lead us to victory. In Romans 5, 17, it says, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. A very obvious question is, what is it that you want to face that you don't want to overcome? No, not much. And what is it that daily you face that you find yourself having to overcome? There's so much. I mean, it's becoming more and more prominent in our lives. And this tells us if we receive the abundance of grace, receive the abundance of grace, receive, humble enough to receive. I need something beyond me. But it's not a, oh, you know, poor me, I don't have what I need. No, it's, God, I'm so grateful I can receive from you because you want to give me what I need to be able to overcome in this so that I can reign in this. Whatever it is you're facing today, God wants you to reign. God wants you to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror. But it's not because of your might, your effort, your education, your resources. It's about us coming to that place of saying, God, I know you're far better than me. And I am inviting you. Lord, guide me, govern me, guard me. Impart to me what I need so that I can be who you have for me to be and do what you have for me to do, so that the world around will see Christ in me, who's the hope of glory. Not see, wow, you're amazing, you're awesome. Because if that's the case, then nobody else can be you, and we're all sunk. But if God can use a person like me, and people see God doing things in my life that, man, they know I can't do, and I give the glory to God, and I say, you know what, this is, this is about what God's been able to do in me. Then there's hope for them. Well, God, if you can do it for him, you can do it for anybody. And that's really about what our witness is, showing what God can do through broken, flawed, frail, fragile, People that have failed. I am so grateful that he does that. I don't have to be perfect because God in his love and in his mercy and his grace is perfecting things in my life. Not without my participation. This isn't, okay, I'm going to have a Coke on the back steps. You work on that, God. No, it's a partnership. We receive. We receive the grace of God so that we can be who God has for us to be and do what God has for us to do. He saves us. 
He sanctifies us. He brings us through a never-ending process of growth and development, leaving behind. One, one portion of the Bible says, the things of the old man and putting on the things of the new man that God has for us to become, leaving what we were to become what only God has seen us become. And that would absolutely dumbfound the people that know us. Reign in life. In 2 Timothy, is that right? Yeah, 2 Timothy 2, 3, uh, 1 and 3. Uh, it says, you therefore, my son. This is, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was a, a new minister. He was pastoring one of the biggest churches at that time, which was Corinth. It was a, a church that, that it says they came behind in no gifts. No one was better than them, but they had a lot of problems. And that young Timothy is, is pastoring this church, and, uh, and it's challenging. It's very challenging. He's the truth is, he's over his head. But he wasn't over God's head. And God had something for him and wanted to and planned to use him when nobody else thought. But he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's not about us just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Yeah, we have to get back up. But we don't do it by our own ability. We do it by our faith and trust in God. We do it on our reliance in God. And, and he says this because he knows that Timothy is, has already faced and is going to face some very challenging things. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, this is, this is why you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, you won't hear this in a lot of places because it's not a popular thing, but it's a truth thing. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free and keep you free. And this is a truth of God's Word. Part of our function, our role, is to be a soldier in the army of God. There is a battle going on. Now, we don't know what battles are. For most, most of us, I take that back. There are some of you, you've been in the military, you've been into combat, you understand what it is. But most of us, we have no idea what this is like. But we have references now, today, that we can look at and see what it's really like to be in a battle zone. And that's where? Ukraine. You look and you see these people, they... Did they start the war? No. Do they want the war? No. Listen, we didn't start the war. We don't want the war. We want the war finished, but the only way it's going to be finished is Jesus wins and the church wins. And we overcome and, and overwhelm all the works of the enemy. He's done it. We walk it out. But when you see these people, you see that they are in the midst of a battle zone. Is there any push-pause? We're going we're gonna to take a break from this. Can we yell loud enough to say, get away from me, I don't want it in my front yard? Is there a price to pay? 
Is it easy or difficult? Again, obvious questions, but we need to understand when we look at that thing on the TV and we look at Ukraine, I want you to understand we can't see it in the natural, but that's the same thing going on right here in Rome and in Utica and in Oneida and every place on the face of the earth. There is a battle for control. And we have to choose to let God control us and in the midst of the battle, enable and empower and impart to us what we need to be victorious. And be willing to endure some things that are unpleasant and uncomfortable and undesirable and even at times painful. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease, but I'm talking about things that we would rather not face and deal with. But we have to. And we can. And it's not just facing and dealing with it. It's realizing I'm facing this, but I'm facing this in Christ. I'm facing this as a servant of God. I'm facing this as a son and daughter of God. I'm facing this saying, God, I need you. And in that humility, the grace of God abounds for us to be able to overcome, just like Paul. God said, my grace, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, in your frailty, my strength is made full. Or another translation is, my power works best. My power works best in your weakness. But we've got to acknowledge that this is a weakness. God, I can't do this, but you can. And I'm looking, I'm trusting, I'm relying on you. I'm listening and I'm following you. And the grace of God begins to abound. The fourth grace is serving grace. It's God's grace, uh, his ability, his power to be of assistance and help to others. You know, there's no time in a life of a believer that we are not connected. We are connected to God and being in connection with God, we're we're connected with all other Christians one way or another. It's through Christ. And God has for us to contribute. The Bible tells us that we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. God has created you masterfully and wonderfully and in some ways mysteriously because we don't know what we're good at or what we were created for. But God does, and that's where God wants to use you in a very powerful and unique way to impact other people's lives for good. Because there are enough people out there using their lives to impact other people's lives for evil. And God has for you to have a redemptive quality in this earth where we are the salt, we are the light, but it's only by the grace of God. We can't do this. We can't be what God has for us to be, and we can't do what God has for us to do just because we try hard enough. We'll never, never attain to what God has on our own, but we will always rise to whatever God has for us to rise to when we're humble enough to say, God, I need you. And we receive, we receive that grace to be able to serve God and to serve others. In 1 Peter 4.10 in the NIRV, it says this, God's gifts of grace come in many forms. Each of you, who's that talking to? 
Every one of us. There's not a one of us here. Now, I have to tell you, I used to think, I, did, I, I believe some things people told me that I had respect for and I knew they were smarter than me. And I was told, and it was the enemy, I don't, I don't hold any bitterness towards them, and it was my ignorance, that I would only be good for physical labor. And then once my body wore out, I, I really wouldn't have any usefulness anymore. And so I never thought I would really do well in, in anything but maybe carpentry, and I wasn't good at that because I kept hitting nails, but they were all on the end of my fingers. I, I, oh my gosh. God knew what I was created for, and anybody looking at me would have said, nah. And I said no. I said no to God because I couldn't see it. Because I was relying on myself and not on God and His grace and His plan being superior to my plan and His deeds being superior to my deeds. And if I would just be humble enough to say, God, I want your will in my life, just like Jesus, not my will, your will be done. And then God began to move me in a course that was terrifying for me because it was everything I knew I couldn't do. And God knew it was everything he had for me to do but I needed to depend on him. I needed his grace to be able to, to serve. And if I had believed what I had seen, if I had believed what I had heard, if, if I had believed what I experienced, I never would have walked in what God had. And unfortunately, too many times we as Christians, we experience the same thing. We, we say, I can't do that. I, I, I don't know how to do that. Just like you heard Tamara say this morning, you know, there are, there are needs in the rangers. But I want to tell you something. There are needs in every area of ministry here that people can be plugged into, be assisted to learn what to do, and then coached to do it well. And it's not just our church. What I have been, I've been talking to pastors this past week all over the country, and, and they're telling me that they have never seen the lack of help like they see now. There are so many people that want to get but not to give. And that's, that's not the character of Christ. That's consumerism that comes from the world. They want to get all they can with as little as they have to give. And God gave all of it up front. And I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm telling you that there is a place. God has created you specifically, uniquely, wonderfully, and giftedly that will operate by the grace of God in a way that blesses other people. Now, some of you, you haven't been here long enough, you don't know. But we have something that you may have walked by every time you walked in and never looked into the little counter between the bathrooms. But there's a plaque there that was given to this church, to the people of this church years ago. When we used to do an Honor America Day's picnic and, and concert and, and, 
it was a it was a big thing for us to do. It was it was way beyond our ability, but we did what God had for us to do by the grace of God. And the head of the Chamber of Commerce, the mayor, and the Honor of America Days Committee, all those people talked. And they presented us with a plaque. And they said, we are so impressed and grateful for the people of Resurrection Life Church. And so we want to give the first annual, and I don't know if they ever gave another one out, but I know we've got the first. Spirit of Rome Award. And I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll share it with the people, and I thank you. And they said, you need to understand what this is about. Okay, what it, what's it about? We've watched your people care and share and do things tirelessly for nothing. And the spirit that's on your people, like you guys are my people, we're his people. The spirit on your people is the spirit we want on Rome. And I said, we do too. We do too. But I want to tell you something. That was something that took a lot of people, a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of planning, uh, of finances, of all sorts of things. And, and we willingly did it. But we ended because the time for that was over. And then we've done other things. We've done absolutely amazing vacation Bible schools. Some of you don't know about that, but I'm telling you, this church is transformed. The majority of the people were involved. We gave children a God experience. And, and it was at the leadership of Miss Lynn, right back there. We did a walk through Bethlehem. The stuff is still around where we passed those doors. We created, recreated the town of Bethlehem in the time of Jesus' birth to the best that we could do it and had people walk through, had characters in costume and in character that had lines that were constantly revealing who Jesus is to remind them of what Christmas is all about because it's gotten so far off, off track. But it took a lot of people sacrificing at a very busy time of their, their year We don't do the Honor America Days anymore. We don't do the Walk Through Bethlehem. We haven't done VBS, but Miss Lynn, we're doing a VBS this year if we get, if we get people that will step up. Because we can have the greatest vision from God, the greatest ideas from God, and if we don't have the people because people won't be willing, because, you know, I'm busy. I'm gonna, I, I, I really need you to hear me. And know that I love you and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to coerce you to do anything, but I am trying to open your eyes to the reality that this life is going to be over. And we're going to spend our lives on a lot of different things or we're going to invest our lives. When we spend our lives doing stuff, it doesn't really follow us. It's just something that's done and it's behind us. When we invest our lives, it goes ahead of you to heaven. And when we get to heaven, every one of us is going to stand before the Lord 
And you know, we all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful, what? But if we aren't serving anybody but ourselves, we'll never hear that. We don't have a possibility of hearing that. But if we're willing to put ourselves out to benefit somebody else, and I will tell you, this church has always done this. We have had people that have had their own children working in children's ministry because they wanted children to be taken care of. And it's hard. It's hard today to get people that will say, yeah, I'll get in there. Well, I've got a lot of this, and I've got a lot of that, and there's a lot of things going on. Newsflash. There's always going to be a lot of things going on. What are you going to choose that's going to go ahead of you? It's important that we... You're sitting here, many of you are sitting here, you have no idea what this place looked like. There were people that worked very hard, tirelessly, to make this what it is. And you have the benefit of it. And it's always that way. Somebody pays the price for somebody else's benefit. But it's becoming harder and harder for people to be willing to pay the price for somebody else's benefit because they don't see how they personally and quickly benefit from it. That's the way of the world. We're kingdom people. We need to be living by the kingdom principles where we're willing, just like Jesus, he left heaven. He became a man confined to human flesh. He walked in the cesspool of this world, tempted in everything, didn't sin in anything. And when is a lamb to the slaughter willing to give his life to pay the price for our sin? That's our example. And so we, we at least Jesus said, if you want to be my followers, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. And in that moment where Jesus was struggling in the garden, he humbly prayed, Father, if this cup can pass away, let it pass away. He was honest. But humbly said, Father, not my will, your will be done. If we'll each take that and say, God, I don't know where you have for me to be connected and plugged in, but I will tell you there's a place for everybody. Because the Bible says every, every joint in the body supplies. And you'll find that when you're plugged in and functioning with the unction of the Holy Spirit in the place God has for you, you will find that you're stretched like never before. And you'll grow like never before. But you'll also be blessed like never before. And that's the grace. We need that grace to be stretched, to grow, to endure. You know, it's only by the grace of God Pastor Gabe and Judy are doing what they're doing. It's only by the grace of God Miss Lynn is doing what she's doing. And I'm telling you, these people have been faithful through easy times and tough times. And the elders here, and, and there are a lot of you. But there's been a lot that people have done because of what God has done for them, and they want to see other people have the blessing of God. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hold a clipboard up here and say, okay, I'm waiting up here for you to sign up. No, this is between you and God, but I had to say this today because there's a grace that you and I, we all need to tap into to be able to step into what God has for us to serve. The last grace, grace, the fifth grace, facet of grace, is sharing grace. And uh, 
I am running out of time. But I'm going to quickly go through this. The sharing grace is God's power and ability to overcome selfishness, pride, and meet the needs of others to show them the goodness of God. You know, we talk about witnessing, but really we're, we're, we're sharing. We're sharing with other people because witnessing can be real intimidating. I got a witness today. No, you're a witness every day. And what you do is share your life with other people. You share your perspectives. You share your values. You share your priorities. And we need a grace to be able to share the right way. Just being who God has for us to be in this world, to turn people to Christ. We need Christ to help us with that because left to ourselves, we're not going to show him. We're going to show us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, this is a kingdom we receive through grace, which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We even need grace to serve God. We need to, to be able to serve Him and share with other people only by the grace of God. And 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That's what we need, all grace abounding towards us. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every what? Every good work. Every good work. Well done, good and faithful servant. But we've got to be serving. We've got to be faithful. Do you know that, that nationally it's determined that people believe they're faithful if they attend church once a month? Now, you may say, well, what's wrong with that? I, I attend once a month. Uh, you can do whatever you want. But let me tell you, you're a whole lot more faithful to your job. Because if you treat your job the way you treat relationship with God, you'd be fired. And God still loves us. And God's still looking for opportunities to bring blessing into our lives. But the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When the world around us sees us making time for everything else but God, His Word, prayer, His people, they're going to say, you know what? I don't need what you have. And they're right. They're right. But it says all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. That's a lot of all. And it's all for you. It's to you that you would have an abundance for every good work. When you have an abundance, then you can bring abundance to other people. In God's blessing and goodness coming to us, the design was he wants you blessed. But he wants you even more blessed because when you give it, when you begin to sow, by the grace of God, overcome the selfishness, we're able to see, God, I, I, can, I can bless that guy. You blessed me, and yeah, I, I really appreciate it, but I, wanna, I want them to see your blessing. I want them to see you. Then there's nothing that becomes off limits that God can't say, all right, I gave it to you, but I want it passed on to them. Because it's the goodness of God. When people see the generosity of God, because they're not seeing generosity in the world out there, because that's 
a selfish zone. But the kingdom of God is a selfless place. We put God first and others second. And all of a sudden, this generosity begins to draw people to God. It's what draw, drew every one of us. One way or another, somebody in our life was selfless enough to care about us and begin to invest in us and, and, and do things, take time or, or something that got our attention began to draw us to them, but it was really to Christ. And it takes grace to overcome that self-orbit. And that's why this sharing grace is so important. Colossians 4, 6 Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This grace to be able to, to speak the right way has been so lacking in the body of Christ in these last two years. We've looked just like people that don't know Jesus and the way we act towards each other and address each other. But the message translation says, be gracious in your speech. There's a grace for us to be able to speak to people. Not what we think they need to hear, but what God has for us to say to them. Not a reactionary thing, a loving thing. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down or cut them out. You know, Jesus listened to a lot of people, and he spoke not to, not to embarrass. He spoke because he loved, and he spoke graciously to people, even people that didn't deserve it, that didn't treat him graciously or lovingly, and we need to do the same thing. And just two more scriptures, and Ephesians 6.10 starts out with a final word. This is a final word. Be strong. In the Lord and in his mighty power. That's just the same thing that we looked at weeks ago when we looked at the Apostle Paul when he was dealing with the thorn in the flesh. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where it says that God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, God's strength, God's power is made perfect or full in weakness. One translation we read said God's Strength, God's power works best in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's saying, I will not boast, but I will pray to God. That's what the root word means. I will pray to God in my weaknesses, in my frailties, where I'm fragile and even where I've failed that the power of Christ, the grace of God, would rest upon me. We're saved by grace. We progress in sanctification, growing in that grace to become more like Christ and less like what we used to be. We're strengthened with grace to have the victory no matter what we face because we know that we're not facing it alone. God's there and we're humble enough to say, God, I need your help. I welcome your help. We're serving by the grace of God and we're sharing by the grace of God. 
grace in the beginning, grace throughout, grace to the end. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. Like I said at the beginning of this service, whether you're here, whether you're at home, wherever you are listening or watching this, it's important that we realize all these graces are necessary for us to experience the life God has, but there's one grace that has to be the first, and that's the saving grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith, and it's not of ourselves, it's a gift. And with any gift, we have to be humble enough to receive it. Recognize that it's being given to us. Recognize we need what's being given and receive what's given with thankfulness and appreciation. If you have never received Christ as your Lord, I want to pray today a prayer where you'll receive him and, and his forgiveness and the new life he has for you. And you will humbly receive this grace that we're saved by. And I'm going to invite all of us to pray. If you've never prayed before, pray today. Let this be a new beginning of the greatest adventure and opportunity in anyone's life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, humbly and obediently, died on the cross for me, paid the price for my sin. Today, Lord Jesus, I repent. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life be Lord of my life. Govern me, guide me, guard me from this day forward. I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me and filling me with your spirit and your grace for your glory, your praise, and your honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.